Jason, Lauren, thank you so much. Don't we appreciate these folks so much? <clears throat> All right, if you have your Bible, find your place in uh, Exodus tonight. Exodus, am I in the right place, Lord? Does this need to be moved over? Am I, in, am I good? Okay, good. All right, good to see all of you tonight. May the Lord bless you on this rainy evening as we have um, many things going on. Those of you joining us online, God bless you. We're always glad that you're with us. We continue to move through the book of Exodus and walk along with Israel in this very important book in the Word of God. So many things here uh, that we have that teach us some essential truths about who God is. Lauren shared tonight so many of what so many of the truths of the songs that she sang for us and we sang together really emphasize where we are in this section of Exodus. So let's read this section together. It's Exodus chapter 24 and then we'll read the first um, nine verses of Exodus 25. Uh, last week we looked again at Exodus 24 verses 1 through 8, but I want to go back and read them for us again. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near nor shall the people come up with them, with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. <clears throat> Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up. Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you some of uh, I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, "Wait here, 
for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. 25.1 Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. Let them construct a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for this wonderful section of Your Word. Every word in our Bibles means so much to us. Every word is inspired, given to us from You. Every word matters. May we pay attention to every word from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation. So tonight here we are and we see Moses drawing near to you and you drawing near to Moses, the man of God, giving him the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, and also instructions for permanent worship for God's people Israel. May we understand this as it happened to Moses and Israel, but then may we make application. These things are examples written for us who believe. Upon the end of the ages have come. So we pray for wisdom tonight and remove the distractions from our life. We have many of them. We have physical distractions, mental and emotional distractions, and uh, we, are, we are needy people. But we are right now seeking to do even what Moses did. We want to draw near to You. We want to hear from You in Your Word. And may the Holy Spirit be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I want you to also now, we've read this section, I want you to, I want you to keep your finger here in Exodus. And this, this theme, this principle of what we're looking at has a counterpart in several places in God's Word. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. Am I coming in? Okay, Lori, am I heard well enough or do I need to move this up? Okay, bring it down a little bit. So we're in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 16. 
And uh, I want you to go there. It's a very familiar verse to all, all of us in this room. Uh, but I want you to see it again. This is that great section reminding us of the wonderful blessing of the Lord Jesus as our great high priest who has passed into the heavens. I'm reading in uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 14, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we believers, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There it is. Look at the, look at the first phrase of verse 16. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Let us draw near. I've mentioned to you all that you know, even the, uh, the Greek word that is used for prayer uh, in the New Testament is a word that means to draw near. It's, it's, a, it's a compound word made up of two parts and it means to draw near. Prayer is drawing near. So uh, those of you who are, uh, you're, you, you draw near to your husband or your wife, you draw near to your children, you draw near. Drawing near is, a, is, a, is an act of affection and love. Drawing near. And so when we think about our relationship to God, at the essence of it, at the top, at the, the, the most important matter in your life and mine, listen, is not to know about God. It is to draw near to God. Draw near to God. So now go back to Exodus. Look at this. Look at these amazing words. Uh, Exodus 24.1 Come up to the Lord. You see it there? Go back to Exodus 24. Come up to the Lord. This is the call of God to Moses. Come up to the Lord. And then notice verse 2. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord. Notice there's that word. Draw near. Oh, how the book of Hebrews and the Apostle Paul draw so many parallels. The language, the very language of the book of Hebrews is so built upon, uh, especially the book of Exodus. And that's for another time to show you those parallels. But again, here we are. Moses is drawing near to God. He's drawing near to God on behalf of the people, just like the Lord Jesus is our mediator. But he's drawing near to God in order to hear from God. And that's what I've called this entire study. Moses a man who heard from God. How do you hear from God? You draw near to God. People say, well, you know, I just, I don't know what to do. You must draw near to God. So, uh, 24.1, come up to the Lord. This is the call of God. Come to me. Come up and meet with me. Verse 2, Moses comes near to the Lord. And so, then you have it, verse 12. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there. And I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. 13, so Moses arose with Joshua his servant and Moses went up to the mountain of God. He drew near. God says, draw near. Moses obeys and draws near. Hear me now. The Lord Jesus says for us to draw near. But do you draw near? Do you draw near? 
What is it that we draw near to? Do we draw near to our technology and to the information of this world? Do we draw near to our friends? Do we draw near to our family? Or do we draw near to God? This is at the heart of a, of a true believer's life. So we go on. Verse 15, Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on the mountain, and the cloud covered it for six days. Notice, and on the seventh day, he, in, in uppercase, he, H, capital H, he, that is God, on the seventh, Moses was there six days, drawing near to God, and God did not say a thing. He was in the presence of God, but God did not speak. And then on the seventh day, He called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the, So while all of this is going on, the children of Israel know that Moses, the man of God, is on the mountain of God. And in 16, the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh he called to Moses, and the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up the mountain. Notice, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Moses met God. Before, God. before he could hear from God, before he received the Word of God, before he, was, before he was drawn into the glory of God and the majesty of His presence, he had to draw near to God. I'm pressing on this tonight to ask you where you are in relationship to God. Do you draw near to God? Do you even have it in your schedule to do it? I've often asked this church, you know, uh, I guess when you get old you repeat things. Even if you don't know, you repeat it. But some things are worth repeating. So I continue to ask this church after 10 years, what's the first thing you do every morning when you get up, and what's the last thing you do before you go to bed? I hope the answer is, I draw near to God. I draw near to God. I come before God to start my day. I begin with presenting myself to God. I present by praying, by speaking with Him, worshiping Him, adoring Him, glorifying God. I listen to what He has to say to me from His Word, and then I go out in order to do His work. And when I come home at night, I come back before the Lord, and I talk to Him about how I've done for the day. Some days I don't do very well. I don't know about you. But I have to come before the Lord and say, here's the, way my, here's the way my day has gone. And here are the things that I've done to seek to honor and glorify you. And here are the ways that I've gone away from you. So we see three things here. And by the way, I also want to mention this division. There's, we're coming now to a major change in the book of Exodus. From Exodus 25 to 40... From Exodus 25 to 40, the focus is on the building of the tabernacle. So we're going to go through in detail a lot of things that have to do with the tabernacle. In fact, we see two words used that are the same word in Hebrew, but they're used in different ways in 25.8. Let them construct a sanctuary for me. 
which is the same Hebrew word that is used in 9, according to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle. So sometimes called the sanctuary, sometimes called the tabernacle. We have lots to talk about. This week we won't get into the detail of that, but we will get into the detail of it uh, in the days ahead. So the rest of this book, so you have three things in the, in the notes I gave you. You basically have three focuses of this section that we've just read. Seeing God and His glory, hearing from God and His Word, and worshiping God in a specific place. That's really important. That's really important. Because there are all kinds of implications for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're not reading this so that we might become Jews. We're reading this so that we might understand how God how God speaks to people, how He gives us His Word, and how He calls us to meet with Him. The way that I am... And by the way, there's only one little section in Exodus 32 through 34 where, where there's a famous uh, little story uh, about the golden calf. Anybody in this room know about that? So we have, a, we have a break because the children of Israel don't fulfill their promise. Let me read their promise here. The book of the covenant has been given now. We read this in detail last week. Exodus 21 all the way through 23. And what did the children of Israel say in verse 3 of 24? All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. And what did they say again? Uh, as they came on down the, uh, and Moses was doing he read the book in their hearing. Verse 7 and 24. All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And we will be obedient. And lo and behold, Moses is on the mountain. And Aaron comes back and they make an idol and go back to Egypt worship. Pagan worship. Completely disobeying God. After they have seen the glory of God and the majesty of God. After I want to mention this to you again. After they've been saved multiple times by God. Uh, not only crossing the Red Sea, but all the way through the wilderness so far. And they've been to the mountain of God and seen this, these glorious things about the power and majesty of God. And it did not matter. Listen, it did not matter that they had seen all of these mighty powerful things. It did not keep them from being disobedient. And I've heard people say my whole life, well, you know, if I could really see Jesus, boy, I'd never sin like that. That's a total lie. That's an absolute joke. No, if I could see miracles, then I'd believe. No, you won't. These, saw, these people lived in miracles every day. But they did not obey God. You know why? Because they did not continue to draw near to God. They did not practice what we must practice. So as your pastor, this is my desire for you. Where are you in your own personal life in drawing near to God? Do you even have it in your routine? Do you even have it in your schedule? Or is that just something you think preachers do? No, that's what God's people do. When you're saved, you want to draw near to God. I understand schedules. I understand busyness. I understand kids and grandkids and all the cares and worries of the world. But you've got to find a time and you've got to find a place to meet God every day. This is so urgent for us. So first we go back to 24 just for a few more observations. Moses, now with the elders of Israel, see 
a vision of the glory of God. Did they see God? They saw what man can see. No man can see God and live. We've already heard God say that. No man can see God and live. Moses wants to see the glory of God later, you remember? And the Lord says, I'll hide you in the rock and I'll pass by. No man can see God and live. The awesomeness and power and majesty of God will kill us. This is His glorious majesty. But Moses and the elders see something amazing here. They are called to come up, notice in verse 1, and worship. Nadad, Abihu, Moses, Aaron, they're all to come up with the 70 elders and worship God. That's verse 1. Then as they come along, we see now that they've gone up, verse 9, and notice verse 10, they saw the God of Israel. They saw the glory of God. And under His feet, uh, one, one uh, Jewish rabbi said, they were so overwhelmed by the glory of God, all they could do is look down, and when they looked down, all they could see was His feet. Again, they saw the God of Israel, and under His feet there appeared to be, verse 10, a pavement of sapphire. Sapphire is a clear stone. Notice, as clear as the sky itself. I gave you some references to those of Ezekiel and that in Revelation of these majestic descriptions of the glory of God being described by stones. These are all pictures for us. How can you describe the spiritual majesty and glory of God? Well, the writers of God's Word seek to use things that we can identify with. This this pavement, this level place, this place, the base of the throne of God. The base of the throne of God. I want you to think about this. They saw the base of the throne of God with a paving that looked as clear as crystal, as it says in this passage, as clear as the sky itself. And yet God was gracious and did not stretch out His hand and kill the nobles. And they saw God, and look at this, and they ate and drank. They had fellowship with one another in the presence of Almighty God. What a tremendous picture this is for us of how God seeks to have fellowship with us. This is the plan and purpose of God, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends. It is for us to have fellowship with God and for Him to have fellowship with us. He made us for that. We are created. We are created for fellowship with God. Sin and brokenness and godlessness separates us from what God made us to be. When you're saved, that is restored to you. That's why you seek to pursue it in your life. Now, in verse number 12, the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me. Come up to me on the mountain and remain there. So Moses and the elders see the glory of God. And Moses goes to the mountain. And what does the Lord do? He gives, he gives to him the Ten Commandments written by God in stone. He is given the Word of God. He is called there and he's given the Word of God in verse 12. I want you to have this. The people saw the glory of God. They saw the majesty of God. The elders did. 
And I, wanted, I gave it to you there under the first one. They saw this glory like a consuming fire. Later in the passage it says that they saw it and it was like a consuming fire. Verse 17. And I gave you Deuteronomy 4. So watch yourselves, Moses says, that you do not forget the agreement, the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Please notice, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 9, Know therefore today that it is the Lord your God who is crossing over before you, notice, as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and He will subdue them before you so that you may drive them out and destroy them quickly, just as the Lord has spoken to you. And then we have Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we, this is for believers, this is for us. Therefore, this, we have what is better than even what Israel had. Listen to this. Therefore, today, excuse me, therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service. This is our worship. This is drawing near to God with reverence and awe. Notice, for our God is a consuming fire. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment, what that means. But Moses and the elders see the glory of God. And they, they see the glory of God and they eat and drink together in the glory and the presence of the glory of God. It reminds us of the Lord's Supper. We come together and we eat and drink together in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed thing it is to come to the table and to eat together with the Lord. Well, God gives Moses the written Word of God. Some of the old ancient rabbis, some in the rabbinic tradition says that the actual stones... Of, of course, this is not what the Bible says. This is, this, is the, uh, this is rabbinic tradition as it's called. But it's interesting to read. Their description from very ancient rabbinic tradition is that the that the stone glowed with a bluish glow in this script that was written by God. Perhaps it was better that those stones were broken. What do you think Israel would have done? They would have worshipped that rock with those words rather than obey them. Perhaps it was better that they were broken when Moses came down at the golden calf. But here, what is the importance? Look at this. God has written something to man. And we saw what it is, didn't we? We saw it. What is it? Well, it's Exodus 20. It's the ten words. I'm the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not worship and serve them. For I am a jealous God. I am a jealous God. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house and things. God has spoken. He wrote His Word. He wrote His spoken Word. And we now are the blessed ones with the entire Word of God that God wants us to have in this 
blessed book, our Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. That's why we at this church make much of this, because every word of God matters. All over the place tonight, we've got our people studying, all our young people, our children, and other adult groups. We're all over the place studying God's Word. We do it on Sunday, we do it on Wednesday, we do it every time we get together, and other nights of the week our people are studying, and, on, and other times of the daytime. Why do we do it? Because we're people of the book. This is the book written and given to us that we might know how to live, honor, and glorify God. This is what we teach our children. This is what we teach our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We teach them what we know. We give them the Word of God. This book shall not depart from your lips. You shall speak about it when you're at home. You talk about it when you're traveling. You go together and we speak about it. This is what we do. We're not here for entertainment. We're not here for some amusement. We're here for the Word of God so that we might be challenged in our soul to be more like God. Well, God gives His written Word to Moses and then God talks about the detail of our God. Oh, I've mentioned this to you. Some of you think pride yourself in how detailed you are. I can tell you this. None of you, nor me, are as detailed as God. He knows every detail. By the way, He knows the details of my life and yours. And He knows how I'm spending the detailed time of my life. So God speaks to Moses about this, this portable, sacred tent. That's what it is. Because the children of Israel aren't in the promised land. They're moving along. So here is now the introduction of these words in 25. First of all, there's a call for a collection. My contribution, God calls it. Every man who wants... Notice, it's, notice isn't this interesting? He doesn't say go force everybody to give. You know, it, God loves a cheerful giver. If you come to church and you go, I'm not giving any money. Bless God. Go do whatever you want with your money. Go ahead. God gave it all to you, but go ahead. Notice the language of 25.1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. Does God need a contribution? Oh, maybe God does it for other reasons. A contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. Take a contribution only from people who are moved to give to God. That's what you take. And then notice all the things. It's not just money. It's all kinds of items. They brought so many of these things out of Egypt. Now, think about this wonderful irony. All of the riches of Egypt are now going to be used to build the glorious worship place of God's people meeting with God. That to me is a... There's a great lesson in that. How God takes the riches of the world, all of the things that we have that come from this world, when we get saved, now they're all put to the use of the glory of God. That's a wonderful thing. But that's not our point tonight. Let them construct a sanctuary for me. Does God need a sanctuary? The whole world belongs to Him. Of course not. Notice that I... Look at the sweetness of verse 8. This is the sweetness of God that I may dwell among them. All of us with grandkids and great-grandkids, we love to be with them. We look forward to being with our great-grandkids. 
our kids. We always enjoyed being with our children. I mean, it, get, it gets annoying at times. I, get, I understand that. But we still love it. We still love it. We love it. We want to be with them. They want to be with us. This is that mutual relationship of love. God loves His people. He loves His people. He seeks to be with His people. According to all that I'm going to show you as a pattern of the tabernacle, the unseen place of the glory of God is is, um, explained to us in the simplicity of the way the tabernacle works is built. And we've got a lot to say about that in the days ahead. I gave you this word sanctuary. It is the Hebrew word for sacred place, a holy place, a sanctuary. Uh, Stephen mentioned it in his sermon, Acts 7.44, there on your page. Our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. So God desires to dwell among His people and this sacred place was movable. I'll show you in the weeks ahead a picture of how God in such detail organizes these millions of Jews in the desert. The tribes camped in a certain order, in a certain structure. And guess what was in the center? The tabernacle. The tabernacle of God in the center of of God's people. The place where God's glory and presence would dwell with them in the wilderness. So there's some things I want us to apply, some things I want us to remember and consider doing tonight. And I've got uh, ten of them. I've got a few minutes to go through these. Some of these verses to the group in this room are very familiar. I can just quote them. But I am going to ask you to turn to a few of them. So as we think about the tabernacle, as we think about this dwelling place, we we read those famous words in John chapter 1, verse 14. John is describing, the Apostle John is describing his experience along with the other apostles with Jesus Christ when he was born and lived on this earth. I'll read it. John 1.14. Now if you're fast with your fingers, you can keep up with me. If not, you can just listen to me. You've got the notes there. And the Word became flesh. Jesus Christ is the Word of God, the eternal Word of God. The Word became flesh, notice, and dwelt among us. Okay, pause right there. The word dwelt in the Greek language is the word tabernacle. It is the word to tabernacle. It is a temporary dwelling. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. He wasn't here for long, remember? He finally comes to the point of the cross and says, I have to go. It's better for me to go away than to stay. But for a while, our Lord came to this world. He tabernacled among us. And notice, we saw His glory. The tabernacle always displays the glory of God. The Lord Jesus Christ displays The glory of God. We saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father. Notice, what is this great glory of God? It is His grace and truth. What is it that demonstrates the glory of God? Shaking mountains and and lightning and thunder and earthquakes? No, it's grace and truth. It's grace and truth. And here's the glory of God in Jesus Christ. He's... He lived a life of graciousness and showed grace and He was 
perfect in truth. That's why His red letter words are of such value to us. And by the way, He will soon again come to this world and He will return again. So He tabernacled for a while. He's now gone to heaven to finish of His work and to prepare a place for His people and He will return again. Third, God does... Now this is where I want to pause for a minute. I want you to really think about this. Some would think when I describe this that um, uh, God's doing everything, we're doing nothing. Well, in many ways that's true. God saves us. We come toward Him. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but He saves us. Look at this. God Desire, I'm going to just have you change. God desires fellowship with you if you're a child of God. So we read these wonderful words in 1 John. What did, uh, what did John say in his letter to uh, Christians just like us? Well, let me just hurriedly turn over there and read it to you. And here's what John said. He opens his book. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen... With our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. We proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Look at this. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. God desires to have fellowship with you. So my question is, are you doing what James says in James 4.8? Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. This is the principle of Exodus 24. Draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Meet God in private and in public. You know, this is our pattern. We meet God in the prayer closet every day and every night. And we meet God together at the church house. I told you before, in the old days, the preachers called it, and the God's people called it, the meeting house. That's what the church house is. It's the meeting house. What are you meeting up there for? To meet God. We come to meet God. And to be changed by being together and meeting God. I'm asking you today about your special place. So the church here, we've all joined. First Baptist is our special meeting place. That's great. But what about your private one? What about your private one? God desires fellowship with you. Do, you. do you wake up in the mornings and do you feel in your heart the drawing of the Holy Spirit saying, Come to me. Come, Or are you already turning on the news to hear what you heard when you turned it off last night. What is the first thing you do? In the quiet of the morning, in the quiet of the start of the day, you meet God. And if it means you have to get up earlier because your kids get up at who knows what time, you do what you have to do. You know, those days won't always be the same. Someday, your kids will never get up. They'll stay in the bed all day. God desires for His people to know His purposes. So when I meet God, I meet Him with my Bible. I meet God with my Bible. I'm not wanting to have some uh, vision. I'm not wanting to hear voices. 
I want to hear the Word of God. And I have said to this church another phrase repeatedly. Excuse me. But I must say it again. You hear God's Word with your eyes as well as with your ears. Now tonight you're hearing it from someone speaking it. But you hear God's Word with your eyes. You read it. You read it. How are you doing with your Bible? Meet God with your Bible. I don't have time to go there, but I gave you the point in Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 8. The new covenant says that God will place His laws in our heart and in our mind. We'll not have a need for another teacher if someone says, no, know the Lord because we will all know Him. The Holy Spirit of God is your teacher. Someone said to me, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not educated enough and I don't have enough training. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit and that's all you need. Now, you can grow in your knowledge. That's what church is about. We want to all grow together in our awareness, but you will begin to, the Lord will take His Word and open it to your mind regardless of how little or how much you know. The point is, pick up God's Word and read it. That's why we give the church that simple reading plan we're using this year, five by five by five. It, you, you can pick up, whatever, reading your Bible regularly. God desires to be with His people. God desires to be with His people. Did you know the Lord wants to be with you? You see, this is that point about the jealousy of God. Did you know God is jealous about your relationship that you give to others first and to other things before Him? He is a consuming fire. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, so... I came here from living in Colorado. I shared with this church the sadness of my neighborhood. You know, there were a thousand houses. There was a wildfire on that on the mountain where we lived. A thousand homes were burned. I'm talking about incinerated. Two thousand degree temperatures. I went and helped my neighbors. It was pitiful. Our our home was preserved. It was a miracle. But a consuming fire leaves nothing behind but ash. Our God is a consuming fire. The people saw the mountain and they saw a fire that consumes. And Moses was up in that mountain meeting a God who consumes. I want to ask you tonight, are you experiencing God's uh, displeasure with you because you have been unfaithful to Him and others and other things are more important than your relationship to God. I'm reminding you tonight, this is for all of us who are God's people who are Christians. Our God is a jealous God and your priority time with Him, your giving your life to Him, He is jealous of that. He is jealous of that. That's why I'll just read it to you as we're closing because it's so important for you to note it. It's sometimes overlooked in the book of James, but it's quite good for us to hear it. And so I'll read it to you as we're finishing up, thinking about the jealousy of God. In James chapter 1, uh, we've been talking about this on Sunday mornings about worldliness. And in, uh, excuse me, in James chapter 4, uh, you adulteresses, this is chapter 4, verse 4. Do you not know friendship with the world is hostility with God? 
That's why we're spending time on Sunday mornings talking about being dead to the world. Because the world's way too much in me and the world's way too much in our people and in our church. We must learn to be dead to the world and alive to God. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. Listen, I'm an adulteress, a spiritual adulterer when I have a relationship with the world and love the things of the world more than I love God. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be the friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now, here's the verse I want you to go home and think about. James 4, 5. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? And here's what James says. He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. He jealous. Let me read it another way. God longs jealously for the human spirit He has placed in us. What did the Lord say to that dear woman who wanted to learn about worship? God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm asking you tonight, do you not see how jealous God is about your spirit? He is jealous. He is jealous and He disciplines us when we do, just like we're going to see Israel do, go back to the golden calves of our lives. I am glad He is jealous. Paul said in Colossians 1.10, Live in all your ways to please God being fruitful and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, to the praise of the glory of His grace, we talk about these things tonight. And I remind you, the Lord is near and at the door. And so I pray, come Lord Jesus. And I hope you join me in that. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time we've had in Your Word tonight. We thank You for these amazing words in Exodus how you would, you are a jealous, holy, jealous God. You desire our hearts, our soul, our spirit. You desire all of us and all that we are. Forgive us when we've given parts of ourselves to others and to other things first. And we have loved and worshiped and served the creature and the creation more than you. Forgive us. Restore the joy of our salvation. And may we truly hear the Holy Spirit say, Come to me. Come to me. And experience the joy, the blessedness. No wonder Moses stayed 40 days and 40 nights, Lord. The blessedness of being in Your presence and drawing near to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Lord willing, hope to see you Sunday if we don't have to build an ark and, you know, or ice skates or whatever we're going to have to do. I don't know. Last week it was snow. Now we have ice. What do we say?